www.thepetshow.com. Knoxville's 24-hour wireless seminary. This is The Way, 101.1 FM. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. An Iranian nuclear site is attacked, and guess who gets the blame? Guess who's saying that abortion is a human right and sex change surgeries should be taxpayer-funded? Guess where a new plague of grasshoppers has popped up? And guess who is saying man evolved from apes? And the sign of a false Christian is inflexibility? We'll take the guesswork out of all of it and give you God's word instead. Those are just some of the signs of the times we'll discuss for our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, June 25th, 2021. Along with Mark Kirk, the senior pastor of Calvary Knoxville, I'm Greg Hilt, here to let you know that you can enjoy signs of the times anytime by downloading the Way Media app or visiting thewaymedia.net. And today's show will be transformed by the renewing of our minds to become podcast number 173, which we will make available without any shipping or handling charges, but only when you subscribe right now through Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. However, if you want to read the articles that we discuss each and every show, we make those available, but you can only get those through the Way Media app or visiting thewaymedia.net. Pastor Mark, good afternoon. Great afternoon. Now that the housekeeping is out of the way, uh, are you enjoying this Friday? It's I am. Nice. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm excited about the show. There's a lot of great stuff to share. It's a great day. Yeah. Uh, keep uh, keep the folks down in Miami in your prayers. Yeah. Obviously, very tragic uh, down there. Um, in the meantime, we will uh, be about our father's business and talk about Bible prophecy. But first, it's time for our Truth in 10 segment. This is uh, uh, Pastor Mark's opportunity to answer your Bible questions, whether they're prophecy-related or not, in 10 minutes or less. And Pastor Mark, uh, this question comes from Carla, who lives in Strawberry Plains, Tennessee. Yes. She says, Pastor Mark, a friend from Facebook made a post on Father's Day that I have a question about. She is a Seventh-day Adventist whose dad is deceased. Her post was, Happy Father's Day, Dad. I know you are resting in the grave until Jesus comes again. I can't wait until the day when we are reunited. I was just wondering what they are referencing to not think that her dad is not already with Jesus, unless she is just referring to his physical body, but that is not how it sounds. I would find it sad to think that my dad, who is now 83 and has Alzheimer's, was just laying and waiting in a cold grave instead of immediately being with Jesus and cured at the time of his death. Yeah. I can picture my dad now when this happens, the way his face will light up to know that his mind is clear again. So which is it? Yeah. Really? Well, and, and what is yeah. it? And, and there's a there's a term that's used to describe this. I think. There is. Yes. It's called soul sleep. And there is a doctrine out there that teaches soul sleep. I know that. The Seventh-day Adventists hold to soul sleep, and I think that Jehovah's Witnesses do as well. Um, there are probably other groups that do, but basically this is a false teaching, and we'll show scripturally why it's false in a moment. But it's a false teaching that says that when we die, we go into a state of just kind of non-existence, uh, asleep, if you will. And, that, and they use the references. Their references are things such as um, the Lord said, you know, Lazarus is not dead, he's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And they talk about sleep. The Bible's way of talking about death is sleeping, but it doesn't mean that your soul goes to sleep. And what they believe is, is that when you die, your soul is not existent until the Lord comes back and revives your soul. And you'll hear the voice of the Lord calling you out of the grave and we'll all come together at the resurrection, etc. They do believe in resurrection. They just don't believe uh, that it's going to be uh, your, your soul's asleep until then. 
The Sadducees, Greg, actually believed this to a degree. Um, they themselves said that the difference was that your soul literally dies, like soul sleep pretty much thinks or says that it's gone, um, but it never comes back. Sadducees, you're done. When you die, you're done. Whereas with soul sleep, the doctrine is you're temporarily out of it in a non-existent state or a soul that's asleep, and then God revives you and brings you back. So there's a subtle difference there, but it's interesting to me that that doctrine has rolled back around and is still a part yeah. today. First of all, that is a false doctrine, and uh, I want to give you some scriptural references to that. The first one I would give you, Paul speaking to the Corinthians in Second Corinthians Carla, verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. He's just making a comment about the hope that we have in Christ. And, and in this comment, he says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. So right now, we're not with the Lord. Our soul is not with the Lord. Our soul is in our earthly body. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So what he's saying is, right now, our, our soul is within our body and we're absent from the Lord, but when we die, we will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And that's what he says there in uh, verse 8 of Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So what Paul is saying is once we leave this body, we don't go to sleep. Our soul doesn't take a, a nap. No, we are in the presence of the Lord. And we see this in other places. We see in the book of Revelation. Uh, those that have already died. If you read the book of Revelation, it says those that have died during the Great Tribulation, as well as all the other saints, are gathered around the throne there, worshiping the Lord in heaven. Um, and this would be before the Lord comes back to establish his throne on the earth, which they would call the resurrection. So Revelation refutes that as well by showing souls in heaven, rejoicing, celebrating with the Lord, you know, giving him praise and glory before he comes back to rule and reign. Um, so there's a second uh, reference for you there out of Revelation, but I want to give you another one that is Jesus himself addressed this. And we talked about the Sadducees believing this partially. They believe that you just simply stopped, your soul died. And so they asked the Lord a question. They're saying, hey, if, if you know, because they believe the soul died, uh, if a man's, you know, uh, if a wife have multiple husbands, and they were using it as a reason to say, this proves there can't be a resurrection. And they said, Lord, if a wife has multiple husbands, and then when we're resurrected, them believing we won't be, but we'll play your game for a minute, see if you can answer this tough question, which always amazed me. They try to stump the Lord. Uh, Whose wife will she be? Because she's had multiple husbands on the earth. And the Lord says, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the Bible. And pretty good insult there to the Sadducees. He said, because you know what? People aren't married in heaven. They're like the angels of God. They're not married. But then he goes on and says this, and this is what really nails down this whole, really Jesus himself shutting the door on the possibility of soul sleep. He says this in Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 26. He says, but concerning the dead, here's your direct answer, that they may rise, uh, or that they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses, by the way, which is Seventh-day Adventists, uh, they only they really focus on the law. So Moses is a big deal to them. There's a lot of similarities mm, here in, yeah. in the Sadducees, not completely all the way through. But he says this, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage how God spoke to Moses and said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, by this time, remember, um, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had already died. He says, am I not their God? God is not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. You, therefore, are greatly mistaken. His point is, they're alive today. Abraham is still alive. Isaac is still alive. Jacob is still alive. God is not the God of the dead, somebody in soul sleep or non-existent. He is the God of the living. And then we see in Revelation, the souls of the living you know, believers around God in heaven worshiping and praising as a matter of fact greg not to get too far off on another subject but we see again even jesus talking about paradise when he has that whole vision of those that are being held in abraham's bosom they're very much alive in abraham's bosom until the cross and after the cross he released them led captivity captive it says in ephesians chapter 4 and now everyone goes to be directly with the lord so that goes back to what paul said in second corinthians chapter 5 to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Soul sleep is a false teaching, and those are the scriptures that you can run to, as well as others, to uh, to see that for yourself in the Word of God. Okay, great. Uh, Carla, we hope that answered your question. 
And if you've got a Bible question, prophecy or not, just like Carla, we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net, or you can do it through the Waymedia app. Just look for Signs of the Times, and you'll see a place to submit your prophecy question, and also to read frequently asked questions regarding prophecy. Pastor Mark, do you think this whole issue of soul sleep uh, is just speaks again to being able to take in the totality of Scripture? I mean, where do you think some of these denominations or these religions really cling to this and and and, you know when we talk about comfort one another with these words that's not comforting to me and clearly it wasn't comforting to carla when she when she heard this so what do you make of all of that well you're exactly right greg that's a great uh question and a great thing to bring into this conversation the majority of the problems and really i would i would say i mean i can't think of anything other than that causing those problems of cults and false doctrines are not taking the full counsel of god's word You know, Paul made a statement. He said, I have not shunned to declare to you the full counsel of God. And what a great thing to be able to say, any pastor to your congregation, if you have not taught through the entire Bible, uh, you can't really say to your congregation, I've not shunned to declare to you the full counsel. But if you've gone through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, you can say to your body, I have not shunned to declare to you the full counsel of God's word. And Greg, that's where the um the balance comes in it's people that take one or two verses out of context yeah and you don't know the rest of the bible and because you don't know the rest of the bible um then you don't know how to tie it all together so the answer is you've got to look at the entire body of scripture to understand all of it and when you look at the entire body of scripture it's very clear there is no soul sleep teaching. And where it comes from is they talk about uh, those who pray for the dead. Paul makes a mention about mm. those who pray for the dead or whatever. And Paul's referring to something totally different there. But they look at it like, well, that just means that we're all dead when we die. There's soul sleep. And they create a whole doctrine without looking at all these other verses that we just looked at that go with it. They very clearly show we are very much alive after we leave these bodies. We never die. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. He said, if you believe in me, you shall never die. And part of the soul sleep doctrine is, um, even off of uh, a Seventh-day Adventist site I was looking at earlier today, uh, one of the comments was, is that you literally die during that time. You don't exist, and then God resurrects you completely and makes you new all over in that soul sleep idea. Well, that again, Jesus refutes that directly. He said, if you believe in me, you will never die. So if I never die, where do I go? Where do I continue on? in the presence of the Lord, as Paul clarified, by giving the full counsel of God's yeah. word in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Well, and further to that, Pastor Mark, that word there, shunned in the Greek, means to avoid to declare. So Paul was essentially saying, I haven't avoided declaring anything. I that's haven't right. tried to sidestep anything right. in the Testament, and that's what pastors need to be encouraged about, because there's right. so much truth. Even Jesus himself when he said, it is written, it is written, and he was refuting Satan, mm-hmm. I mean, he was pulling that out of Deuteronomy. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, it's so important, all of all of the Old, and Paul was really talking about the Old Testament there as well, so, but yep. anyway, right. all of God's Word. All of it. All right, let's go to Israel, by way of Iran. Yeah. Uh, because... Yeah. Uh, this story is in multiple sources. Um, we, for whatever reason, do not have this in our stack, but that's okay. You will be able to Google this and find this. And this has to do with uh, an Iranian facility uh, being attacked by a drone. Uh, Iran claiming that there wasn't any damage. You've got information to the contrary to that. Uh, and then and an issue that we discovered today as we were looking at different media sources reporting on this story everyone's got their own take or right. their own slant right. on it well and again you know you talk about the damn they're not listing any damage in any news reports but from a source that is connected to the israeli army um you know I- indeed i've heard that there was significant damage that something did take place uh, the neat thing about this greg there's neat and then we'll look at the prophetic is israel's ability now still with their technology god gives them technology and the ability to protect themselves as a nation and, of course, Iran's working very hard on a nuclear weapon. Their goal and desire is to destroy the nation of Israel. And, um, and Greg, their new president, I've got to mention this. This goes right in line with this uh, because this is key to this as well. They just elected a new president in Iran, and he has executed thousands of people and even tortured pregnant women. That's how wicked this guy is. He is a wicked, wicked, evil man. This is who our government is now negotiating with, saying, let's make some deals. Let's give you money. Let's see if we can become friends with you against Israel. Our current government is making friends with a man who has executed thousands and tortured pregnant women. 
um, and making deals with them, giving them billions of dollars and doing all these, allowing them to have nuclear weapons. That's that's who our this current leadership is doing with Iran. At the same time, we're turning our back on Israel, which God said you need to protect Israel, bless Israel. If you bless them, I'll bless you. We are a historic friend of Israel. So we are really off course. I'm very concerned about our leadership right now. I'm very concerned about it in light of the Bible and the direction that we're going. God will hold us accountable. And and um, and so when you see this new leader happening, this is, makes it even more interesting because what we're watching for with Israel and Iran is something to push Iran to the point to say we're going to attack Israel. And so we, we kind of let you know the things that are just making it worse, if you will, as we look at it. Well, uh, here a couple of days ago, Again, we know that America's helping Iran now to get their nuclear program developed. America's helping Iran get a nuclear weapon. And America's helping this nation that, that hates us and hates Israel. Uh, but Israel's taking action. And so they sent a drone in, which, again, uh, you know, Greg, you added a very interesting um, uh, point to that a detail. I didn't realize that it had been uh, launched within uh, the boundary of Iran, which, again, just is all the, the more amazing to me how infiltrated Iran is by yeah. the Israeli spies and the way that God opens those doors. But they were able to jam their radar systems right around their nuclear plant uh, with their technology and then send these drones in to make the strike that they did. We don't know the details of the strike. This happened just a couple of days ago. But no doubt a significant strike, no doubt at an area they knew would set them back and stop them. Israel is taking action. If America won't help, if we won't allow Israel to take action, Israel will. And God will give them the ability and the technology to do so. And they're doing it. And I've watched this. Look. In, in over 30 years of walking with the Lord, I've watched Israel over and over and over pull off these amazing things to uh, stop their enemies. And and Israel thinks they're great. I mean, honestly, they, there's a little bit of pride there I've, I've detected. And they think they're great at this. They're not overly prideful now since some of their more recent wars, uh, their most recent war. They're not quite as prideful. When you, uh, it's, well, the major wars anyway. Uh, but they used to be very prideful, not as much now. But it, that, what they don't realize, it's God doing this. God is the one stopping Iran, but God's using Israel to do it, which, I, again, I find interesting. Even in World War II, God used Oppenheimer and other Jewish people mm. to stop the Nazis and all that. So God uses the Jews against their enemies and defeats them. So it's a wonderful thing to see. But uh, two things to note here. One is this is going to further exacerbate the situation with Iran, and we're looking for things that gets Iran all riled up to attack Israel. Uh, secondly, we see, again, Russia being just really uh, right now being kind of uh, irritated by people conducting um, military operations in their waters or near their 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 waters and their area, if you will, with Britain. All, that's the whole other story. But and we know these two are going to link together. So things are stirring up the, the uh, governments of Russia and Iran. And at some point, it's going to stir them enough to move against Israel, of all things. This guy that's in right now, the current president, he's he is more aggressive than their recent presidents. And they've all hated Israel. He's so even, they'd have to be almost. Yeah, he's even more aggressive. Now, you take the more aggressive president, now you send in this drone and wipe out part of their nuclear facility. I mean, they are seething with hatred and revenge. And all these things are going to build up to an eventual attack. So, again, we'll keep you posted on what we know that's happening on the inside. But Israel will be taking action, Greg, and stopping Iran, regardless of what it means. At some point, they're going to step over a line where Iran says, we've had it, we're coming after you. And that's when it gets real interesting from Ezekiel. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of picture the cartoon, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon when it featured Yosemite Sam. You know, and, and basically Israel is Bugs Bunny yes. and Iran is Yosemite that's right. Sam. That's right. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what I that's kind of what I picture, you yeah. know, the, the, the anger, yeah. you know, within. It really so. is. No, you're right. But again, this is something that's significant. And we haven't heard really, really haven't heard Iran say much. Iran's coming out, as, as you said, Greg, and they're saying, well, really nothing was done, not much damage. They're not going to really come out and tell you what's happening. They're going to save face. Yeah. Now, what they'll do is, if there's a major attack that the whole world sees, they admit it because they can't. They know they can't hide it. They'll say right. okay, and then they'll make up numbers. They killed this many, whatever. But if nobody knows it, and it's kind of well, pardon the pun, under the radar. Yeah. Uh, then they'll kind of remain more silent. Now, it is in the news. Um, articles you showed me, we came in news articles you found. So it is mentioned, and of course, it's mentioned with a slant, which yes. is interesting. Um, you know, they, they, they are trying to blame it on President Trump in a sense, I guess, to take away the, there's political games going on. Yes. Um, but the reality is, here's the two things to grasp. Israel will take action. Tensions are building. And the next thing I want our listeners to note is this. Listen, our administration is directly in the face of God. This current administration, this is not about politics. I'm going to speak only as a pastor and Bible to you. They are directly confronting God. They are challenging God. I don't know if they know they're doing it, 
I don't know if they know how directly they're doing it. Certainly they know they're going against what the Bible says, but they don't really care what the Bible says. But I don't know to what degree they know. But, Greg, this is the most in-your-face aggressive administration I've seen in a while in America. And you could pretty much go to all, the majority of their major agenda things they're trying to do go directly against the Bible. Yeah. Um, you know, even recently, one of his cabinet members or somebody that's, that worked in President Biden is talking about how we need to have, uh, you know, population control and people need to quit having babies. Oh, well, my. again, directly against the word of God. Yeah. That article may come up in a different sure. week. Yeah. But the reality is God said, be fruitful and multiply. You can almost pick everything they're, they're saying and promoting and yeah. find a Bible verse to say, that's wrong. Don't do that. Yeah. And it scares me for our nation. We're directly against God right now. Yeah. Well, and, and something to keep in mind when you hear things like that, that is satanically motivated. Sure. Of course Because it is. Satan's goal is to destroy all of mankind. Yeah. So to put something in the heads of whatever. Now, speaking of putting things in the heads and in the hearts, they're in Ezekiel, and I don't remember where it is, Pastor Mark. If it's Ezekiel 38, 12, I don't remember. If you've got Ezekiel open, I'm not sure I can get sure it real quick do. for you. Um, and this is speaking to your point about our administration doing things that are directly in against the word of God yes. and whether they know it or not. Right. And, and this isn't going to answer that question as much in the general sense of what God says he's going to do with those that are going to come against Israel right. in Ezekiel, that he is going to put something. And I can't remember what it says, if it's in their heart or in their mind to devise a plan. Yes. Yeah, to devise a scheme, a wicked scheme. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not right here where you said, but I can okay. find it while we're talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, the, but the, the point is, is that oftentimes, and this is why we've got to focus on what Ephesians 6.12 says, which is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, that it's a spiritual battle. Because a lot of these people that are doing these things are, think they're really doing something good. Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, in, even in the later parts of prophecy, uh, in terms of uh, taking people out, uh, they think that they they think they're going to be pleasing God in in killing those that believe in God. Yeah, exactly uh, right. Anyway, so it, that's just something to to keep in mind. And again, I, I um, I'm sorry that I can't remember the exact uh, verse there in Ezekiel. Right. Uh, but when but when you think about the see how how brutal this new leader is in Iran. Yeah. And so you've got to figure his hatred for Israel is probably tenfold from the last guy that was in there. Right. And now you have something like this that happens. And, of course, you know, I picture Yosemite Sam. And and so, you know, in comes the plan. Now, you're already fueled because you're of your emotional hatred, you know, kind of like how Pharaoh was. Right. You know, and Pharaoh already had the inclination against the Jews, and God just came alongside and really just kind of agreed with them yeah. and said, okay, you know, and then and then it was solidified, and then there was no turning back. Uh, and so there was a lot of emotional distrust with Pharaoh going back and forth in his own emotions, right? Uh, uh, you know, and that's a good lesson for us. But anyway, that's the bottom line, yeah. is that a, a, even, even the Lord himself, that he says, and it says that he's going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, he will. that's important to remember. Yeah, again, this is all part of God's yeah. plan. See, we're, yeah. we're simply revealing what God's going to do, and Greg, we're showing the wickedness of those that are implementing it. But remember, God is sovereign. Yeah. He's the one control. It's not like we don't have a choice. We do right. have a choice, but God is directing it for his good and for the ultimate outcome he wants. Yeah. But you're right. And again, there, Did you find it? I didn't right okay. here. I'll look that's maybe fine. on the break. It, yeah, may yeah, be, it may be actually in another, maybe in Daniel. It may be a different oh. book altogether. But either way, oh, okay. that could be. Uh, and maybe maybe in both. But the reality is, is it talks about they'll devise a scheme, they'll devise a plan, shrewd yeah. schemes and all that, and, and they're going to try to come against Israel. God's going to thwart that. And in in what they think is wise, God's going to show their foolishness, and he's going to overthrow them and defeat them in that. And so that's going to happen. But I guess for me, when you get back to looking at what our government, I watch our government making the mistakes that they're making, Greg. You know, I don't know. Do they know? Do they not know? I don't know that they wake up and go, you know what? We're directly going to go in God's face today. I think we'll pass a law that just is an affront to God. You know what I think we'll do? I don't think they're doing that. I think you're right. I believe because they're unsaved and they're blind, they really believe they're doing the right thing. They think they are because I remember being an unbeliever and thinking I was doing the right thing. Oftentimes when I wasn't, I knew yeah. a lot of stuff I was doing was wrong. But sometimes I really believed that what I was doing was okay. So your eyes aren't open. But it's amazing to me. The boldness we've come to now in this generation, this day and age, where the Bible can clearly say certain things and everybody just goes right in the face of it. Yeah. Okay. You know, you, you talk about Israel. God says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. If you, 
most people know at least some of these things that God has said about the nation of Israel. So to say we're going to do something that's going to promote Israel's enemies, for our leadership to go, we're going to go to Israel's number one enemy, Iran, and we're going to promote them and pour piles of money into them and support them and help them. And now they've got a leader that has executed thousands and tortured pregnant women and all these awful things. And we know about it. It's all documented and provable. And we're still going to work with them, give them billions, help them, let them get a nuclear weapon. We don't. The question is, what are we thinking? And I think we're not thinking. I think we're being led by the spirit of Antichrist. The Bible says there'll be a blindness in the last days. There's a blindness. The whole world is under the sway of the evil one. It says in First John. And I think our current administration is blind and under the sway of the enemy. But what, what concerns me is it's one thing to be blind and under the sway of the enemy. It's another thing to be so directly in God's face and then have power to do some things that make that even worse. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you can go right down the line of some things. God says, you know, stand with Israel. And now we're saying, well, no, we're not going to stand with Israel. Even today, again, we're promote, we're trying to push them to go, divide Jerusalem up. God says, don't divide my land up. No, I want you to divide the land up. God says, stand with Israel. Say, no, we're going to stand with Iran. Uh, God says, don't promote, don't promote, uh, you know, same sex issues. We're promoting same sex issues. The Bible says, again, there's so many things happening that, that I'm watching our administration do, Greg, and they're not just doing it. Yeah. There's a boldness in promoting it. There's, it's almost like we're not used to people did things secretly, you know, in governments. They would do something secretly if they thought it was wrong. We're at a place now to where we will not only go directly against God's word and our governing authorities, but we do it with great pizzazz. Yeah. I mean, we'll fly, we'll fly flags at embassies. We will make announcements at meetings. We will promote whatever. And God says, I've warned you about this. What are you doing? And we don't care. That's scary to me because there will be judgment for that. Where is it in the Pentateuch, Pastor Mark, uh, that talks about that they pulled their sin in carts like a parade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't know if that's the Pentateuch either. I think that may be Isaiah. But again, oh, okay. either way, um, let's see. Let me let me see. I'll try to find that one as well. Um, I'm, I'm like I'm like the guy with the blindfold on, and I got these things, and I'm throwing them, and it might hit the target. It might not. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. Well, at least I'm in the Old Testament. But I'm not in the first five books. Yes, yeah. yeah it I talks it, about, well, I'll find it. It okay. talks about them. They're basically, it basically addresses what we call the gay pride parade. It's where people do something they know is wrong, but they they just, they don't care. They do it out in the open, and, they, and they're so proud of it, they actually call it pride. Right. And they parade it. And God says, it's because they don't fear God, and they don't realize there'll be a judgment for that yeah. um, that's going to, you know, come one day. Um, so... I, again, I think that's a um, a great one to look at, and I will find that because that would be a great one to bring up. You know, that's, I was thinking about that one this week, and I, for some reason, I had that in my mind that it was from Isaiah, but I can't find it right now. But we will find that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bottom line is is that we're seeing a lot of these nuances of Scripture come to pass, and, and thinking about you know your love for the Jews, yes. and how that was a supernatural love, and you think about the hatred that's there. Um, I mean, did you love the Jews before you gave your life to the Lord? No, I did. I didn't. I didn't hate them. I was really neutral. I never thought about. Yeah. Them. I got a supernatural love after I gave my life to Christ. But what about those people that stood in opposition to the sin that you were enjoying? Yeah. Well, again, how did you feel about that? Those who stood in opposition to the sin I was enjoying, you know, I just kind of really ignored it. I wasn't aggressive. I was okay. not one of those. I wasn't an aggressive liberal. I wasn't an activist. You know, hey, get out of my face! Don't tell me what to do. I would hear it. And I would go, and I hope they're wrong. I hope they're wrong, but I, but I would listen. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, just ignore it, you know, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if it wasn't, uh, here it is, he, he gave it to me. If, if it wasn't something that was for me, I wouldn't, or they were speaking against me, I didn't attack them. I just kind of remained uh, silent. Gotcha. Isaiah 518, thank you to you our, um, uh, what do you call so him? So it's in is Isaiah. He, is our producer? I don't know what you call him. but Is that uh, Jim? No, no, to uh, Caleb. Oh, okay, yes, Caleb. yes, Caleb. Let, let me the, find the, the man that you can't see behind me. Yes, let me find right because this he is a tries great to way, hide. This is a great way to to end this first yes. segment here. Listen to what he says. He says, "Woe to those who draw iniquity, that is sin against God, with cords of vanity." It gives a, it gives this picture of as, as sin is with a cart rope. It's like you're pulling a a, a a float. Yeah. And they say, "Let him make speed and haste, that we may see it." If God's going to judge, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. This is from your favorite okay, area. Yes. It's just warning, but it says, "Greg, they'll become so bold they'll parade their sin before God." That's a scary place to be. That is a scary place. To yes. Be. Well. 
But we've covered a lot of the Old Testament. We'll cover some of the New Testament when we come back in the second half of Signs of the Times as we dive into articles. As our program continues, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Unless you want to get a drink, then you can do that. W-I-A-M-L-P 101.1 FM, Knoxville What does trusting God really look like? Hi, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown. My friend and founder, the late Larry Burkett, shares a vivid example today from an old 60s ballad. Anybody here remember the Kingston Trio and a song they sang called Desert Pete? Well, the song Desert Pete starts out with a cowboy who is crossing the Little Cactus Desert. No water whatsoever. And as he struggles across the desert, he sees an old pump. And there's a note in the throat of this pump. My friend, this is a good pump. I just put a new sucker washer in it, and it's going to give you a lot of water because there's a bottle of water buried below the sand by this pump. Now dig up the water and pour it down the well and pump like crazy, and you'll have all the water you need. You can fill your need, wash your face, cool your feet, but fill the bottle and leave it for the next guy. That's the whole moral behind Desert Peak. But the principle behind the story is one that God's people need to understand about trust. A lot of us say we trust God. I don't think in reality that the majority of God's people in America know about trusting God. I think they have heard about trusting God. I think they read about trusting God, but they seldom put themselves in a position where they will have to trust God. God is like, you've got to pour the water down the well. And most of us, we don't want to pour the water down the well. We want to drink the water. Well, if you're underwater due to credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They can create a debt management plan that I know will work for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline, 800-722-1976. Or visit us online at crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. What has happened over the years, the topic of the Holy Spirit has created sharp divisions and debates in the church. Instead of embracing the Spirit, so many responses range from the absolute strange to the absolute denial and neglect of the Holy Spirit. From barking and yelping to the Spirit doesn't work today. We don't need the Spirit anymore. Only the whole, only the gifts were for the early church and neither extreme is acceptable there is some biblical balance of the work of the holy spirit in our lives and that's what we're seeking to find as we study the scriptures for more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with jesus visit edtaylor.org again that's edtaylor.org a moment of grace with ed taylor is a presentation of calvary aurora Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. This is episode 173 of Signs of the Times. I'm Greg Hiltz, along with Pastor Mark Kirk, our senior pastor here at Calvary Knoxville. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks for participating in the show with your questions and comments, as many of our listeners do. We certainly appreciate that. All right, let's get into some other news of interest from around the world. Uh, In some one-world government news, uh, it's sad, but it shouldn't shock us. This is from Breitbart.com. The European Union, which really I I think would be a representation of the revived Roman Empire. Yeah. Uh, uh, There's an EU report that claims that abortion is a quote-unquote human right, trans surgery should be state-funded, and demands removal of barriers, and I don't remember what that meant, but Pastor Mark, you'll explain all of it to us. Well, the first slide will tell you what it is, because the Parliament voted, they voted, Greg, now they did, Thursday, on the resolution, uh, about this human right, they voted that it was a human right, and they also included in that, here's the barriers, including conscientious, conscientious objections. Mm. In other words, you can't get out of this. Yeah. This is a human right, and I don't, you can't pull the Bible on us. You can't say, well, Jesus said. Nope, you've got to do it. 
Well, this is where, as believers, we say, no, we don't, and no, we won't. And if that means jail or die, then jail or die we go, because we cannot deny our Lord. So we're now living in days where, and, and it's happening in Europe, and what happens in Europe works its way over here. Um, they're going to start passing laws, Greg, that's going to force us to make a stand one way or the other. And you know what? We better be ready and preparing now. You know, that's a, well, I'll say, I'll share something at the end. Go ahead. Great. The resolution is based on a report presented last month by the creation leftist MEP, Fred Drag, Fred Maddock. Fred Maddock. It's not going to be an order online. Get the new Fred Maddock. I got to be careful because I did that. Somebody gave me a hard time when I made fun of a name once. And I want to, I'm not making fun of anybody's name. I just want to say that live on the air. It's just Fred Maddock. It's a funny name. Uh, I have nothing wrong with it. Well, um, it's, you're just being pragmatic. Maybe, maybe. Prag's his brother. Oh, okay. There you go. Prag and Fred Maddock. <laughs> okay. Sorry. You, you can blame me Greg, now. You, you can blame. Made it worse. I know. I just. I you just, just made my hate I mail worse. You, I know. Just, uh, for, just forward that mail to right. me, and I'll take care of it. <laughs> send that to Greg Hill. Yes, at, send it to me. At we we live here dot com yes. or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, his Pred Drag Fred Maddock and calls on the European Union member states to give access to abortion without restrictions. Labeling, labeling abortion as an essential health service and a human right. Here's what they're saying. Let's put this in modern language. To murder someone is a human right. You have a human right to murder someone. And if you try to stand in the way of murdering someone with a human right, even if you say, I conscious, conscientiously object to murdering someone, doesn't matter. You're still in trouble. You better murder them because that is a human right. And we're going to make sure that everyone can murder whoever they want. And I'm sure that'll hold true until they're the ones being murdered. The report also states that it urges the member states to decriminalize abortion as well as to remove and uh, combat uh, obstacles to the legal abortion and claims of a, a total ban on abortion care or denial of abortion care is a form of gender-based violence. So if you don't want to kill a baby, you are a gender-based violent person, which is exactly what they're guilty of. Because whatever gender that baby is, they are committing violence against it in the womb to kill it and take its life. This is evil. Europe just passed it yesterday. This article was prior to that, so I checked. It did pass yesterday. And so we'll see. What does that mean for the European Union? I don't know. This is going to get really, oh my goodness, the cries before heaven. Yes. are going to go up all the more. Yeah. Lord, how long till you come back? We don't know. But the bottom line is, this is the same kind of thing, Greg, the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to force the entire world to do these things they don't want to do. That's why Christians, during this Great Tribulation, those that get saved after the rapture, and Revelation says there'll be a lot of them, if you miss the rapture and get saved, the Antichrist is going to give you a choice. You either obey and do what I'm telling you to do, which is things like this, killing people, whatever else the case might be, or I'll kill you. And um, and eventually bow down to me or I'll kill you. And there's going to be a lot of believers who lose their life because they have to make a stand for what's right if they miss the rapture, which is why all the more we say, please make sure you know Christ now. Don't wait till the rapture. Yeah. But this is horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, you know, talking about these laws being enacted in order to enforce these things, uh, you know, we often forget about how the the rise of Hitler came it came through his ability to persuade uh, the legislation to make basically being a Jew illegal. Wow. And it started small yeah. and grew. I mean, to the point where, where they had the legal right to corral the Jews because they were some sort of detriment to society as a human being. Yeah. But it all started with that. It all started with it all started with the laws to to criminalize owning a gun so they they and they had to they had to to de-arm the society in order to carry out the next steps yeah which was the stuff that we saw yeah that, that we remember from seeing world war ii or yeah. learning about in history books in terms of the extermination the murdering of over six million jews and there were others that were murdered as well yeah. that hitler hated uh, he was an equal opportunity hater oh, yes he uh, killed a lot he, more than just the jews just, just the jews but it all began with legislation so when we start to see these things these are the headwinds of yeah. the of the real evil things coming yeah and you may have mentioned this greg i heard I'm listening to you closely but i don't know that you mentioned i'm so used to talking to you about it did you mention the gun issue in your little yes comment? i just said that all right i'm yes. sorry that, that 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 they they first had to they first had to make it illegal to own a gun. Okay. And then once they got the guns out of people's hands, then they could okay, carry out the, the most sinister stuff. That's the stuff. part I missed. Yes. Okay, what I, thought, what I thought you left out was, is yeah, you make it illegal, but he went beyond making it illegal. Yeah. 
he literally they went they started confiscating weapons. Yes. Here's the thing. This is why this is so important because throughout history, what when you see darkness begin to move, the first thing, regardless of what it is, the first thing you've got to do is neutralize the ability of the people to defend themselves. Yes. So that whether that be look, whether it be removing clubs or knives, uh, knives or guns or whatever. You've got to get that out of the hands of the people before you can dominate them. This is why our founding fathers put in the uh, Constitution, no, you can't touch the guns of Americans because they were Christians. And what they said was, is we're going to make sure that our people have a right to defend themselves and stop the government or someone evil from taking over and destroying them. So this whole push about weapons, it's not about a political point on gun control. This is a spiritual, demonic, repeated, historically attack yeah. where you take away the ability. Look, back when Saul, when Saul became king, the first king of Israel, the Philistines took all of their weapons away. The Philistines didn't allow anybody to have a weapon except Saul had one somehow. And I think Saul and Jonathan maybe had a sword, and that was it. And when David first came in to help, Jonathan gave him his sword because nobody had weapons. You had to go. You couldn't get them from the Philistines. You couldn't buy a gun at the local Philistine gun outlet because they had outlawed them. And so David had to get Jonathan's, and then and, and at this point, Greg, they had to start making their own some way. So, again, this is not something new. This is not political. This is spiritual. It is demonic. And if we ever see the enemy successfully remove weapons from the American people, watch out, because that is the first step to domination and then extermination of some. And that's that's where it will go. It's historically going to repeat itself if we don't stop it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters and corruption. Uh, This is from Fox News. A historic drought in the West is bringing a plague of grasshoppers. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah. This is this is interesting, Greg, on this, because I guess I didn't make this connection. But listen, this article will describe what it's doing. A punishing drought in the U.S. is drying up the waterways, sparking wildfires and leaving a farmer scrambling for water. Federal agriculture officials are launching what could become their largest grasshopper killing campaign since the 1980s. And an outbreak of the drought loving insects. Uh, that cattle and ranchers fear will strip bare public and private rangelands. I never thought about grasshoppers moving in when there wasn't more greenery, but they do. Right, yeah. In central Montana's Phillip County, more than 50 miles from the nearest town, Frank Wiederich said large numbers of grasshoppers started showing up on prairie surroundings, uh, rather surrounding his ranch in recent days, and they've already begun to strip the trees around his house. They're everywhere, he said. Drought and grasshoppers go together, and they're cleaning us out. So what happens is when you have drought, the grasshoppers move in. Why? They thrive in warm, dry weather. And populations already were up last year, setting the stage for an even bigger outbreak in 2021. Such outbreaks could become more common as rainfall patterns shift. Agriculture officials had seen this year's infestation coming after a 2020 survey found dense concentrations of adult grasshoppers across about 55,000 square miles uh, in the West. Uh, a 2021 grasshopper hazard map, that's funny, um, shows densities of up to 15 insects per square yard in areas of Montana, Wyoming, Oregon, Idaho, Arizona, Colorado, and Nebraska. So what, what happens is, I've got a, a little caveat to finish here. Well, let me go on. The program scale has alarmed environmentalists. Here's the bottom line. They're coming in and wiping everything out. Drought brings in the grasshoppers, which magnifies the whole situation. And what's interesting now, the environmentalists are upset because there's a a plan for widespread spraying to kill numerous insects. And they say that will include spiders and other grasshopper predators and and, uh, also could ruin their organic farms. Wow. So that whole big, we have the organic food, we have the organic farm. They're saying, look. We can't let you do this because you're going to kill our organic farms. But here's the problem. There won't be any organic farms if you don't spray. You you won't have an organic farm to protect. So they're in a real dilemma. If they don't allow them to spray and they put this big fit up, the grasshoppers will wipe them out. And there'll be nothing to sell. If they let them, now they don't have truly organic foods because they've used pesticides. The obvious answer is you've got to spray because you've got to have food to survive. But this is going to get interesting to see how the environmentalists and the organic guys and all these guys work together to do this. Um, But where does this come in prophetically? Again, we always try to tie these back to prophecy. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the last days, you're going to see an increase in various areas of famine and when you drought and famine. And when you see drought, 
you're going to see famine. Greg, they're talking about in California, the drought is so bad. That's not, that article. Well, 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 this would be this would be considered pestilence, wouldn't it? It with is. The, uh, the, but do we have? The, I, I read so much in the yeah, morning. Yeah, I know. You do, do we have a California drought article today? Do you remember seeing one? No. All right, let me mention this. No, I this think, is but a, I think we talked about that last week. Well, but I could is, be wrong. But this is a new thing. Okay. We did talk about it, but now it has gotten to the point where they released a report just now, recently, saying it's so bad. That what they're going to do, it could mean as much as a third of all the vegetables for the United States will, no, will will be gone. Wow. And you talk about food prices going up. Yeah. You talk about hard to find your vegetables. You talk about life changing. Even in America, we're seeing the edges of what could lead toward famines. And, and now the droughts are taking place. I always thought that would be in other countries. You know, Africa and these dry areas, so to speak. But right. now we're talking about, Greg, right here. It's going to affect us right at home. It's going to affect the whole world. And we're seeing what Jesus said in Matthew 24. It is now happening. You're Look, if you wonder when will prophecy take place, you're watching it. Yeah. Open your eyes. Read your newspaper. Prophecy is happening right now before your very eyes. Drought and famine are coming. They're occurring at this moment. To what degree they'll get in America, I don't know. But these are the things the Lord said to be watching for in the last days. And it's happening around the globe. That's what gets my attention. I wonder what eats grasshoppers. Well, I know that certain birds do. Yeah, I, I want, I, I'm just wondering. I'm not. I'm not saying to to not to spray, but I'm just wondering if you can't, you know, bring in some of these birds that might ha- have a smorgasbord I, of I, grasshoppers. I, I mean, there's certain prophets. After you took a lot yeah. of pastures, maybe in that region. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. you know, John the Baptist, but then again, actually, yes. not just not just prophets. Again, what are people? They're making cicada burgers now, right? Ugh. They're making they're yeah. making food out of cicadas. Look, look, I'm just going to go get me a nice steak. I'm going to go get me something. I'm not going to be having cicada burgers, but here's the bottom line: you can, and uh, I don't think there'll be people actually eating them for that reason. But this is a serious thing, and yeah. I think it does line up with Matthew 24. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. All right, let's get into some articles from the church. Our first one, Pastor Mark, comes from Israel365news.com, where it says the Vatican is challenging the Bible uh, because the Vatican uh, is promoting evolution that man evolved from apes. Unbelievable. The thing, even before I start this article, I know we know the issues that are are with the Catholic Church. We know that. I know there are true believers in the Catholic Church, but they have a lot of doctrinal and biblical issues. But this one right here, Greg, takes the cake. This We talked about our government, okay? going right in the face of God and directly against his word, right? Well, that's not a church. That's the unsaved world. That's bad enough. That doesn't shock me. But when you talk about what is supposed to be represented by the church going directly against the word of God, it is much more concerning. And that is exactly what's happening right now. Last month, the Vatican Observatory Research Group, VRG, from this point on, if it comes up again, launched a new project, a website to present their theories with the express mission of showing the world that the church and science can coexist. Now, this is what gets me there. When they say the church and science can coexist, Greg, what they're saying is the church has to give up what it believes the Bible really says. And if we do that, we can coexist with science. Let me just correct that and say this. Yes, the church and science can coexist because they agree with each other. There's nothing scientifically in the Bible that doesn't line up with science we know in the real world. And there's nothing in the real world of science that doesn't line up with the Bible. It's just false science and fake news about science that causes the dilemmas. A closer look shows that the Vatican project project is challenged by the biblical account of creation and comes very closely to explicitly rejecting uh, Genesis. In a 2002 interview for the Catholic Educational Resource Center, George Coyne, a Jesuit who ran the VRG for over a quarter of a century until he retired in 06, stated the Vatican policy was to firmly embrace evolution, both biological and cosmological. And again, this goes directly against the Word of God. Let me just say, Greg, before we go on, truly evolution has been so proven wrong. And even many scientists today, unsafe scientists that that are well known, will admit there's no way that traditional evolution the way we've been teaching in our schools it is impossible scientifically to take place and they'll come out and tell you if you look at the traditional evolutionary model there is not enough time and they did the calculation for time they themselves admit i've read their writings they admit there's not enough time for evolution to take place so they haven't completely thrown evolution out rather than throwing evolution out they shifted to what they call and i think it's quantum evolution don't quote me on that on that uh, saying what they mean is Rather than a gradual change over time, because they said that's impossible, they now believe that it happened, boom, suddenly. They said, we have evidence that suddenly you have you don't have this creature, and suddenly you have it. 
Well, I'm saying that's called creation. God said, let there be, and there the animal is. They, they say, well, that just proves that suddenly it shows up, and there's no gradual change, like from bone to bone or thing to thing. That means that it just kind of happens suddenly. Well, yes, it did, but it's called the creation of God. So anyway, um, it goes on. The Catholic Church has long accepted a developmental worldview, complete with the descent from apes and a Big Bang beginning. Unbelievable to me. They accept that. Again, that's directly in the face of God in Genesis. He says, to imagine a creator twiddling with the, uh, the constants of nature. Listen to what he says. To imagine a creator twiddling with the constants of nature. He's saying that nature's greater than the creator. So for the creator to twiddle with what great nature already has in place is a bit like thinking of God making a big pot of soup. I don't get what he's saying there, but he said it was supposed to be a flash of sarcasm. A bit more onion, a little bit, a little less salt, a, a pesto for the p- perfect. Like basically, he's saying, he's saying it's it's preposterous to think that God would be involved in the details. It's just so insulting to God. He goes on and says, it, and look at this, how he belittles the reality that's been used against the evolutionist because you can't just have a watch that suddenly just is there. Somebody had to create it. Somebody had to put it together. So that's been one of the arguments that 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 those who believe the Bible use. Listen to his comment after this. It's a return to the old vision of a watchmaker God, only it's even more fundamentalist. He's saying, for you just to believe that God just created it is just so wrong and so fundamental. That's called the Bible. That's called God Almighty. Well, and that's called pride. Oh, this guy's a mess. This whole thing, Greg. Wow. Coins writings still serve as the basis. His writings still serve as the basis for the Vatican's website. In one paper, he rejects the validity of intelligent design. The assertion that certain features of the universe and the living things are best explained by an intelligent cause, not an indirect process such as random natural selection. In this conflict between evolution and biblical creation, Coyne and the Vatican assert that evolution is irrefutable truth. Wrong. You're saying you're right and God's wrong. I know where I'm standing. I'm standing with God. On the new website, Coyne states that, and I quote, intelligent design movement lies outside of scientific methodology. This is such a ridiculous thing. What he's saying is God could not have created it the way the Bible says because we know that's scientifically impossible. Not only do we know that's not scientifically impossible, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that's what happened. And Greg, this is where the Catholic Church teaches false doctrine, and this person here is teaching false doctrine directly in God's face. And I'll tell you something, higher accountability. It's one thing to be the President of the United States and to get in God's face like we have right now. It's another thing to be a leader of what's called the church and do it, and God will hold them accountable. I fear for them. Yeah. Speaking of false, Pastor Mark, the Bible talks about in the false trinity there being um, a a replication of John the Baptist who is pointing the way to Jesus, and there's going to be a false prophet pointing the way to the Antichrist. I, I will go on the record after everything that I've read about Pope Francis to say me, I'm saying this, not Pastor Mark, he can he can agree if he wants, but I'm saying that Pope Francis is 99.999% the false prophet. Oh, I I, I will say he's dead, well, again, I yeah. believe he's a false prophet. No doubt he's unsaved and a false prophet. You think he's the false prophet? I, I think he is the false prophet. Yeah. I think he's the one that's pointing that will point the way to the Antichrist. Anyway, here we go, Breitbart.com, Pope Francis, you can recognize false Christians by their quote-unquote inflexibility yeah, unbelievable he warned wednesday against christians who are overly attached to the tradition and disturbed communities through their inflexibility there's no shortage of preachers today who especially through the new means of communication disturb communities That's basically by teaching the bible the pope said during his weekly general audience i guess greg you and i are disturbing communities today so we are uh, yeah. They present themselves not primarily to announce the gospel of God who loves man in Jesus, crucified and risen, but to insist as true keepers of the truth, they call themselves uh, on the best way to be Christians. This sort of people, notice how he refers to them. Yes. This sort of people strongly affirm that the true Christianity is the one they adhere to, often identified with certain forms of the past, and that the solution to the crisis of today is to go back so as not to lose the genuineness of the faith. He's talking in circles. Here, no, what, yeah, no, what he's saying is, he, he's saying that those that are saying they're true believers are saying, we need to get back to the Bible. Right. And he's saying, but he no, won't say that. don't go back to the Bible. That's he, ridiculous. Don't go back yeah. to the Bible. We need to move forward. The Bible's evolving because we believe in evolution. We yes. put that on our website. Yes. So we let the Bible <laughs> evolve to something new. It's false doctrine. It's demonic. As he has done on numerous occasions, it says, the Pope warmed against conservative Christians who cling to past traditions, the Bible, and do not accept the freedom the gospel offers changing the Bible. Now, I'm adding those, but I'm changing my yeah. voice so you know. Yes. Today, and I quote, there's a temptation to close oneself up in some different, uh, in some of the certainties acquired in past traditions, the pontiff said. But how can we recognize these people, uh, for example? 
He said, one of these traces is they are inflexible. Faced with preaching the gospel that makes us free, what, free to sin? Is that what he's saying? That makes us joyful. These people are rigid. Always the rigidity. They say, you must do this. You must do that. Inflexibility is typical of these people. Isn't this something? What he's saying is, basically, they're standing on the word of God. And they're saying, here's what the word of God teaches. If you run across these people that say, here's what the word of God teaches and stand on the word of God, they're the ones to stay away from. They're the problem. Uh, you, we need to be open for change. We need to let God expand himself. We need to be more free with what the Bible, instead of what the Bible says. But what did God say in Malachi 3, 6? And I quote, Lord God Almighty out of Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord. I do not change. So yes, standing on the old teachings of the Bible, standing firm on the word of God. You know, this is Greg, you're, this is straight from the mouth of Satan coming out of this Pope. Yeah. Well, I, I would, if someone has an ear to the Pope, I would ask Pope Francis, what does John 14, 6 mean to you? When Jesus himself said, I am the way, yeah. the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. What, what, how, how do you answer Pope Francis when Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction and many go that way, but narrow is the gate that leads to salvation That's or eternal right. life and few will find it. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Yeah, again, it's amazing how they get around that, Greg. I don't know. And again, people always talk about how, how can you be so narrow-minded that, that you have to believe a certain way to get into heaven because it's a narrow gate. And we didn't say that. Jesus himself told us this. Again, what we say or think doesn't matter. Nope. Our opinions make zero difference in eternity or anyone's life. Yep. It is only what Jesus Christ and the Word of God says that will stand forever. And you better yield to it or you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. In disclaimer, I was raised in the Catholic Church. I went to an all-boys Catholic high school, so I am the official well, Pope criticist. And let me say this. Yes. I have nothing, I've never had anything personal. I've never had anything to even question the Catholic Church. I didn't grow up disliking them. Yeah. I just stand for the Word of God. Exactly. And when I see That's anybody it. standing against the Word of God like the Catholic Church is doing and the Pope, I'm going to speak out against it because it's evil and it's demonic. All right, Pastor Mark, let's wrap up this show with some oh, wow. good news. It's Can we done. wrap up with some good news? What happened? Yes. It's, it's my job to keep it yes. track of the clock. Uh, ChristianHeadlines.com oh. reporting that a good Samaritan helps save a man in mental and emotional distress by reminding him of God's love. Wow, <laughs> we all great. need to hear this. Yeah, on my birthday, this June 17th, he yes. saved this guy. Listen, after spending nearly seven hours hanging from a sign above the Oklahoma highway, an unidentified man seeking to end his life changed his mind after a good Samaritan said, God loves you. Sometimes that's all it takes, Greg, is to tell somebody God loves them. Rick Jewell, the Good Samaritan, told Channel News 8, uh, News Channel 8 rather, that his son noticed that the man in distress was coincidentally in the exact location as a giant cross that is illuminated during the holidays. I stayed over there and prayed for about 15 minutes when I first got here. Then my son says, look over there, Dad. There's a cross right behind him. Onlooker Trey Jackson told the news station that Jewell's intervention did the trick. After the man in distress did not respond to calls to climb down from the sign above Interstate 244. And I quote, old boy told him that Jesus loves you, basically, and that you ain't do no wrong to come down. Just ask for help. He came down, Jackson said. God loves you, guy, Jewel said to the man, prompting him to come down. I just started talking to him, and I told him there was more to life than what he was doing, and that God loved him. He looked at me, and I told him to throw me his cigarettes. He threw me the cigarettes. I said, throw me the rope. He threw me the rope, I guess, that he climbed up there with. Yeah. And I said, now get down from there. Um, you sound like Zacchaeus, come down. Type yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. And I said, they're going to help you. And he headed down very simple. He said, it was crazy. But I also told you that what I did for 15 minutes over there, he said, they were saying, yeah, that guy talked him down, did a great job. But then he said, yeah, but also, hey, I prayed. For 15 minutes before we ever approached him, wow. and God is the one that was involved. So he gives God the glory yes. in this thing and gives, you know, whatever. What a great story, you know. And, and listen, what a great thing to end on. Sometimes all you need to hear is that God loves you. And some of you listening right now may be in a very depressed state. You may be one that would like to sit on a sign in Oklahoma and throw yourself off, or maybe even contemplating suicide. I want to encourage you. God has you hearing this today to say to you, I love you. I love you, and I will rescue you, not just now in this earth. I will rescue you for eternity. I'm going to use you for my kingdom. I'm going to make you a part of my kingdom. I'm going to fill you with my joy. But in order to do that, you've got to come to me. You've got to return from your sins, repent of your sins, which means stop doing them. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, spilled his blood. He died so you don't have to die. And now if you'll simply ask his forgiveness 
and give your life to him, you will live forever in the kingdom of God. We invite you to do that right now. Pray that prayer in your heart. Receive Jesus. Turn from your sin. And we invite you to Calvary Chapel or wherever you find a church home. But make that decision. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Folks, thanks for listening. We encourage you to visit our website, thewaymedia.net. Click on Signs of the Times, where you can learn all about our show, listen to the podcast, read the articles, ask your questions to Pastor Mark, and so on and so forth. And much more content there at thewaymedia.net. Have a great week. We'll see you back here next Friday at 1.30. just begun. Be intentional about who you talk to. We call it prayer. And God's listening. He's been listening and more and more people are talking. There's change coming and it's arriving within you. When you find yourself believing God is all you have, remember you've never needed anything else. It's your time. Pray. Discover hope. WIAM 101.1 FM. The Way. in the